0: hey folks welcome back to movie geek and proud this is your host rob and i am here with some friends to help me review this latest movie that i've chosen and it's the little mermaid uh so i'm here with my friend david who loves disney so much he would practically live there if he could how's it going david
1: It's going good.
0: (laughs) Good. And I'm also here with Sean, who actually believes that Escape to Tomorrowland was a true story. How's it going, Sean?
2: How dare you attribute me to that movie, (laughs) that horrible movie.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I've chosen this movie because, I mean, basically on this show, I want to review as many movies as I can from all types of genre and I don't honestly see this movie reviewed much online so why not rewatch something that we hold dear to our hearts as children and see if um as adults watching it with adult eyes and ears if we have a change in thought over the movie so um when was the last time you guys actually watched this film?
1: How dare you think I would ever change my mind about this movie? <laughs> first of all, um, no, it's it's honestly been a long time since I've seen The Little Mermaid. I don't remember when the last time was. Uh, I certainly saw it, you know, approximately twenty thousand times uh, throughout my childhood. So, you know, were we want, were we say unable to find a copy to view for this show? <laughs> Uh, I could certainly reenact the entire production for us. Um, oh, <laughs> I bet you could. <laughs> uh, um, uh, I did just go on the Little Mermaid ride this past weekend when I was in Disneyland for my birthday. So, you know, I feel pretty current on it. Um, okay.
0: Yeah. All right. What about you, Sean? When was the last time you watched this?
1: Well, it was a couple
2: years ago and I have a friend who's much older Sorry, Mary, because she's probably going to listen to this. She's in her 60s, so it was interesting because she had never seen Little Mermaid, so I thought she was a blasphemous whore. So I (laughs) sat her down to watch Little Mermaid, and I got her reaction, and here I am, like, I love this movie all my life, and she's like, it's all right. Mm. Yeah, good animation, but I've seen better. I'm like, girl, you got to give it, like, time for when it came out.
0: So this is interesting. This is why I wanted to watch this again because, I mean, people who watch it when they're a kid versus somebody who's watching it for the very first time, we'll probably see something different. So again, we'll get into all that, but, um, right now let's watch the movie and then we'll come back and talk more thoroughly about it. All right. Good. All right, let's do it. <laughs> nice to watch that movie again. Uh, so real quickly, little mermaid, this was out what in 89? 89, 89, 89. And so the budget for this was 40 million estimated and it grossed 111 million plus in just in the US and then a cl- cum-, cum what is that word cumulative from yes cumulative <laughs> worldwide gross was 211 plus million that's mm-hmm. actually pretty good and then it also got like nominated for some Oscars right I think, or is it just for song? Or probably
1: under the musical category. Yeah, so it
0: was. Ju- it was just that. Okay. All right. Cool. So, what did we think this time around?
1: Well, I told you to not start recording until I'd finished crying, but um, <laughs>
0: <let me laughs> did you really uh, cry? No.
1: Oh, to say. <laughs> oh my God. Okay.
2: <laughs> what did you think, Sean? I do have to give it to Mary. I did notice in some parts the animation wasn't great. But compared to what, though? Compared to, like, today's standards. But it was 89. I know, I know. In 89, it looked amazing. But seeing that it was her first time seeing it, really paying attention, there were a couple very small times where the eyes kind of shifted positions or didn't quite stay where they should.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you guys this: Do you hear much about Little Mermaid nowadays from like friends or family? Do like people bring this up as one of their favorites, or just is this is Ariel like still a relevant princess that people still talk about?
1: Yeah, I think it's it's to the point now where it's kind of uh, a given; it's kind of taken for granted in the Disney canon. Uh, It certainly wasn't when it first came out. It's. It's the beginning of uh, what Disney fans call the Disney Renaissance. Uh, and Disney goes through those cycles over and over again throughout their history where they produce a bunch of like great films that blow everyone's mind. And then they go through some rough times and everyone thinks they've become irrelevant or lost their touch. And that happened to them through the 80s and through part of the 70s even. And uh, just a couple of years before... Little Mermaid came out you had Who Framed Roger Rabbit which is this huge technological achievement Yeah uh, I love
0: Roger animation Rabbit animation
1: wise and then comes Little Mermaid and suddenly everyone's sitting up again and, and noticing oh wow they can really do amazing things um, and like a similar thing happened um, in, in the 50s with Cinderella where Disney you know they put out just a good old-fashioned princess movie you know a good old-fashioned fairy tale and got back on their game and this this put them back on the on the map we wouldn't have disney as we know it today without the little mermaid and the half a dozen films that came after it like the the version of disney and the disney company was was born during this period because these films were so gigantic like they were huge hits so i think we kind of um you know like it's 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 established as part of the canon, and I do think nowadays people don't think about it as much, um, but it's still relevant, and, like, kids still know who Ariel who are, is. Who yeah. Ariel like, I mean they It's they're, not like they've forgotten or they haven't seen it.
0: Yeah. There's yeah. just so many princesses out right. now, you wonder if it's, like, oversaturated with just so much, and then do... Some of the older ones just kind of like just whisk away into like faded memory unless it's like up to the parents to remind them. Like we Mm -hmm. still have the little mermaid, you know, there before Brave and Maria, there was another redhead in the game. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I would say
2: Ariel, too, especially for gay boys. She's like the princess.
0: So, no, honestly, I agree with that. I, you know, and maybe it's just because of my age, but at the same time, like, she was it. Like, I didn't think about any other princess. Like, Aurora never even knew who she was. <laughs> Bitches
2: asleep the whole time. Yeah. And then, like,
0: you know, Cinderella and Snow White. Like, Cinderella was probably the only other princess I can remember who was kind of in my memory growing up. Snow White, not so much. I was more about the dwarves. And with right. that movie, I didn't really yeah. look at Snow White like, "Ooh, Snow White." It was more Cinderella and Ariel. But Ariel,
1: or or the villains, if you're talking yeah. about like mm-hmm. who gay boys, like yeah, <laughs> like right. Disney villains. Well, is. yes, of course. Your Maleficent, your Cruella de Vil, maybe even your uh, evil stepmother. But like it, Ariel and Belle. Are like the archetype of the spunky Disney heroine. They Mm -hmm. set that new standard where Disney was really trying hard to not make their princesses these passive characters who, you know, fall asleep, (laughs) or you know, sit in the tower twiddling their fingers waiting for rescue. Um, And you know, I think in some ways that they they both of those characters get a little cut short by about two thirds of the way through their movies. It sudden they, they become inactive in their own storylines. I did notice that. You see that with Belle. Um, So I don't think they really quite pulled it off um, until they got to some later princesses, but it was a good first effort. Like they, they have first names, you know, (laughs) that uh, we remember that, that seem more personal than just, like we don't just think of them as Sleeping Beauty, or, or like Cinderella is a made-up name. Like uh, it's a it's a it's a mean nickname yeah. given to her. Mm-hmm. Um, but they 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 have names. They have personality. They have motivation and interests, and, and like their own like inner lives. Mostly. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah,
0: let's talk about the plot of this movie. Uh-huh. So you've got this hoarder. She's, a, she's a, a, just
1: nice. a geek. She's a geek. She is a geek. She's a geek for human culture. So
0: well, then we'll call her just a collector. Yeah. She, she is a collector of the human world, obviously a place that she yearns to be at. So, I mean, like, what is she bored with her life or she just means mm-hmm. to, like, she just wants to travel is that what's happening right <laughs> well, now? The
2: way that I see it, and this kind of ties into um, people always ask me why I love Ariel so much, and I tie it into she's a geek. She's she's something that she doesn't want to be. So I see her as, you know, her fight with her dad. How many of us have said, But daddy, I love him? <laughs> She's every minority out there. So She's... when she was, when she said that and it was her timing
0: was so perfect, I was like, This is such a telenovela mm-hmm. right now.
1: <laughs> she
0: was like, But daddy, I love him. and she goes, No. No. Right? A yeah, it's
1: it's very standard teenage drama but amped up to this epic level because it's it's a fairy tale It literally like lives and kingdoms are yeah. on the line. And I remember even as a kid reading criticism of the movie like oh my god you guys Ariel's such a brat like you know she had she's literally a princess living in this beautiful underwater kingdom that any of us would kill to be a part of. Yeah. But no, she wants to go you know to land and like in order to provide some like conflict and and some tension for that desire, they have to have her dad be kind of a jerk and have this rule about not yeah. visiting the human world, which isn't—that's uh, not a restriction that's present in the original story. But they—they they add that just to, you know, amp up the tension. But really, like, she's got a pretty good life. Uh, like, she I does, would rather be down there. It's—it's you know? <laughs> it's funny. Like,
0: uh, in the beginning, it was all about collecting these items uh-huh. and just being so like intrigued by all the discovery and things that she's never heard of. And then all of a sudden it turns into, Oh, I just want to go up there now for a man. And yes. it, yes. it kind of sucks that it's turned into that because I, I don't see anything wrong with her wanting to like explore new worlds and no, all that all. stuff. But then it just came about, it just was all about Eric all of a sudden. Uh-huh. And then it just, I don't know. It just kind of sucked that it wasn't like, cause she could have gone up there and been like, okay, uh, I still need to travel. I still need to do all these things. I don't need mm-hmm. to be tied down, you know, to this dude. It's, it's just funny how it just turned just for the, yeah. you know, for the man. She
1: has she has one day of exploring the town with him and, like, taking the reins of the horses yeah. and doing crazy things. But then, yeah, she, and it's the same thing happens with Belle. You know, she has her sound of music moment on the mountainside singing about having adventure. Yeah, And then her adventure is to get locked up in a castle and fall in love with a beast and get married you know like does she ever get to have that adventure does Ariel ever get to really explore the human world and see all these great things or was it just about a boy
2: I think for adults who are raising kids thinking about his point of view he's so just negative towards Ariel's dream and if you think about that with making your children comfortable with being pregnant and maybe wanting an abortion mm-hmm. like it definitely has that darker level i think for adults too sean so are
0: you team trident or ariel since you watched it from his point of view he seemed to have a little bit of an anger management problem i mean technically blowing up her whole <laughs> cave was like a metaphor like abuse i mean he might as well just hit her oh yeah so honestly like he right. destroyed everything everything with such rage like it, it was insane but who like what team are
2: you on with with that I am team Ariel the reason for that is I grew up as Ariel um, <laughs> my dad did not take well to my sexuality and we would get into fights like that uh-huh. where my cave would be destroyed afterwards and it was uh it was my identity at the time and I feel like that's why she's my princess you know I, I was very into punk rock and going to concerts I was into like painting my nails and doing eyeliner and dad took that as a very gay thing and I was like no it's just who I am tell me you have pictures I have pictures oh god I have to
0: see those (laughs) (laughs) so um yeah that scene where her stuff is destroyed yeah I think you brought this up earlier like How the hell did Flounder get that statue in that cave?
2: Actually, they do a flashback in the sequel where he gets a bunch of shrimp together. Oh my gosh. And they put it on their back. I'm just making it up Uh, as I go. I would not be surprised, honestly. Yeah, but
0: I always found that to be funny. I mean, it was perfectly placed in her cave, too. Right. I was like, how did that happen? I know he didn't ask the shark to go do it, so... (laughs) Oh, yeah, what was that whole theory about the ship being tied to uh, Tarzan, right? Like That's... that ship was supposed, or the wreckage from Frozen or something it was. Okay,
1: yeah. Uh, the So the fan theory goes that Elsa and Anna's parents are actually also Tarzan's parents and that right. they were shipwrecked and pregnant and then died in Tarzan. You know, and then their ship is one of the wrecked ships that comes up in the whirlpool. Mm-hmm. Ursula is some of the, yeah, all her powers at the end. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, That's the fan theory. And I think one of the directors of Frozen and or Tarzan said, yeah, sure. <laughs> <Why not?" laughs> yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah, I thought of that. That was so all the idea. Fans were like, Oh my god, it's canon now!
0: Oh. <laughs> I did always wonder if they were going to connect more Disney films I, together. I personally don't in, need
1: a Disney extended like universe. universe. <laughs> you know it's going to happen <laughs> eventually.
2: Right. Well, they already put... Um, What's her name? Entangled. Rap- they did, yeah, yeah.
0: They put Rapunzel in Frozen yep. for like a. Oh, they did. You don't know <laughs> this. I think I may have
1: heard about that. So
0: yeah, it was um, during the um, song um, for the first time. F- did she for show the,
1: up as a, a she, yeah, person she's in the crowd? One of the people in the crowd. I forget the, the name
0: of the song, but yeah, yeah, it was when they were opening up the gates to the party before the coronation, okay. and like the minute they opened the gates, you see rapunzel and um flynn walk but remember at the end of rapunzel she cut her hair right. so it was super short and it was like brown so you can spot her it's super quick you don't see their faces okay. it's just the back Rob, of them
2: it's a uh, it's pronounced brunette
0: brunette i thought it was she was had brown hair <laughs> i thought it was brown hair oh wasn't it black hair i'm just kidding Brian. i was <laughs> about to
1: say don't <laughs> oh my it's god like i know what i'm talking about
0: okay um, so what about the voice actors? What'd you guys think of the casting of this film? Uh,
1: I mean, I, I know later in the show, you're, you're going to ask us our, uh, dream cast. Yeah. This, I mean, this is a dream cast. I mean, it's pretty much perfect. What I really love is that a lot of the cast is unknowns, like at least for the younger actors, like Jodie Benson. Uh, and then, like later, Pedro O'Hara with Belle, like they really become became like minor celebrities in their day. I, I remember, like knowing their names because they were the voices of the Disney princesses then. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, as I was pointing out while we were watching. It Jodie Benson plays Ariel, also vamps it up a little bit later to play the voice of Vanessa Ursula's alter ego. That's pretty cool. because she is supposed to be speaking with Ariel's voice. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, so that makes sense yeah. for yeah.
0: I yeah, it w- it was funny to also find out that she's Barbie from Toy Story as well.
1: Oh, Jodie Benson plays. Bobby yeah, you didn't know that? That? I didn't know that. Oh yeah, yeah.
0: Jodie Benson. Yes, yeah, she came back and she plays Barbie for That's the Toy Story movies. So. That's
1: fantastic. Yeah. But yeah, like. um, there's so many great classic voices, uh, like Buddy Hackett playing Scuttle. Um, I knew him because um, my family was a big fan of the musical The Music Man. Uh huh. Uh, and he plays a really fun character in that. Um, and you have uh, Pat Carroll as the villainess Ursula, and is like we were talking before. Like I showed you a picture of her. She she's just this like little old round faced lady with a bowl haircut. She looks like a turtle. Yeah, she looks like a tur- <laughs> yeah. she looks like you'd see her at a swap meet somewhere. And it, like I've seen interviews with her. Um, there's one where she was on a on a talk show and they gave her the script. Um, that is the, uh, like, the the entrance narration to the Haunted Mansion attraction at Disneyland. And she, like, little old lady in, like, a floral print blouse opens her mouth and out comes this <laughs> throaty voice. And it's so, and she has so much fun with it. She obviously loves what she does. Um, and yeah, she's amazing. Um, and then I, I would be remiss... Uh, to not mention uh, Rene <laughs> Auberginois playing the crazy chef Louis. Uh, he also played Odo on my favorite Star Trek: Deep Space Nine, and he's just oh, that's who that is. Okay, he, he looked just, familiar. Yeah, he also played the character of Winston on Benson, but that's a whole other thing. He's just a really good, solid, all-around, well-trained character actor who's obviously also having a lot of fun. Um, Kenneth Mars plays Triton. He was also on an episode of Deep Space Nine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Patty Edwards plays the two eels. She was on an episode of Star Trek: Next Generation. Just, you th- are just lame. throwing all these Star Trek because like my two fandoms are Star Trek and DS Nine, so, or Star Trek and Disney. So anytime they intersect, I'm gonna bring it up in conversation, whether anyone likes it or not. So
0: I'm looking at the, the cast list, and Nancy Cartwright was an additional voice. Oh wow. I don't know who she played, but, yeah, an additional voice on there. So, And you pointed out something to me, Sean. You were talking about Ursula and how they came up with the inspiration for her look.
2: Oh, and you yes. know what? The way I found out, I was very proud of Disney because I think they're so forward-thinking while still being family-friendly, but I was in the park one day in the animation room, And they had up all these pictures and drawings and things that inspired the movies, like a Tinkerbell. But one of them was Ursula, and I wasn't in the right frame of mind to see what I saw next to the picture of Ursula. It was the drag queen, Divine. Uh So I think it's just interesting that Disney was very open about saying, like, this drag queen that was very scandalous for her era, this is where we got the inspiration for Ursula. And I think that's pretty cool
1: what do you think like to me what bothered me a little bit of about it was that yeah, yeah like we all love Ursula because she's this this bigger than life personality and especially as people in the LGBT community we we love our drag queens they're like our our den mothers um but then to see that look taken to uh create a monster like like a villain like I always felt some um ambivalence about that and like uh, Rob and I caught a Disney drag show a while back. (laughs) Oh yeah, that's right. We saw, um, you know, of course all the characters are are played by uh, drag queens, but then also Ursula is, is played by a drag queen. And to me, something about that felt uh, really fulfilling, like seeing this, this character who was inspired by a drag queen to create a, a symbol of villainy than being, like, reclaimed by a drag queen now playing her, like, yeah. felt really, like, satisfying and full circle to me. I uh, was, was wondering how you felt about that.
2: Well, I've, I went on a John Waters kick and watched all the old Pink Flamingos and okay. everything, and seeing the way Divine was portrayed in those, she's just dirty and oh, nasty yeah. and villainous. So I think because that's who she was, it doesn't really bother me that they used her for Ursula. Sure. I think if it was somebody else like uh, Latrice Royale, they took her look and used it, they'd be kind of like, hmm, yeah. "Girl's fierce." I don't know how I feel about this. Yeah, I will say that with Ursula, she
0: didn't. She she gave two fucks. Honestly, she she didn't care. <laughs> she was proud of her body for one. And, you know, she, she didn't, you know, I mean, she kind of made that crack about how, you know, the big mermaid and the skinny guy wanted to be different. But throughout the whole kingdom, there was obviously this Adonis look on how the male and the female should be portrayed. And then you've got this woman who obviously looked different from the rest. And she stood tall and confident and proud of her body and who she was. And
1: I actually liked that. I didn't mind that at all. Mm But then she goes and tears Ariel down. Yeah. And like takes her voice, like literally takes her voice away and also tells her that it's no big thing because the men up there...
0: (laughs) Yeah, I know.
1: ...don't like a lot of blabber. And like for this empowered woman to then seize more power by pushing down another young woman who is trying to understand her own power. It was like trying to break free and, ind- and be independent to like feed off of that. I think that's what part of what makes her like really villainous. Yeah. Like she can't share that power. She, she could have been like a mentor to Ariel and in the Broadway musical when it's uh, when they use that bit of plot point about her actually being Triton's sister, there is like kind of a hint of that, that like in like uh a better world where their whole family got along. Ursula could have been that kind of powerful mentor to Ariel, but instead said she uses her as a pawn in her power play. Yeah. Well, and
2: speak of evil, like, I realized this time around, rather than just, you know, taking Eric out for the night, going to a restaurant, like, she full-on was going to marry him, like, take over the kingdom, (laughs) Yeah. like... So I
0: watched this, like, maybe a decade ago, and I was... Wondering like, okay, she's 16 years old. First Uh of all, even in animated features, they are casting 30-year-olds to play fucking 18 (laughs) and 20-year-olds. Eric looks 30. Like, he looks like a grown-ass man. He only turned 18. Yes, a very good 30. But yeah, she's 16, and like, we are just so... So happy she got married and left home. And I was just telling you, I was like, she has six older sisters who don't have a man. I'm like, <laughs> what are they doing? Still living at home. And the littlest one goes first. And mm-hmm. I just thought that was hilarious. But yeah, nobody has a problem with 16 year olds getting married. I- I'm just trying to see the consistency well, of the room. Yeah. Do we care? Or is that like a Danish Not thing?
1: really. I mean... It is based on a fairy tale from a time where people didn't live as long. So that was a bit normal. And, you know, you're writing this story for a younger audience. So having her be 20, you know, kind of takes it out of uh, a relatable frame for them. So, I mean, yeah, it's it's not the best, but it's not the worst either. Yeah. it's yeah.
2: happier than the ending of the book. Let's just put it that way. Yep. I'll take it.
1: <laughs> yup, yup.
0: <laughs> what do you guys think of, because I think you brought it up. I, I wrote it down, but you mentioned it during the movie. Mm-hmm. It was um, the theory about all of this could have been explained had she just gotten a pen and paper and wrote down her name <laughs> and everything else that was going along with it. I mean – Yes, we see that fishes are talking and crabs have Jamaican accents, but do Mm -hmm. they actually speak? You know, are they actually speaking Mm -hmm. English? And then she gets her voice on land and Ariel is talking English. Mm -hmm. So it's clear they know how to talk and she signs the contract of her name. Yep. So that would assume that she knows how to write or is that just for our visual
1: understanding? Yeah. So so it is a puzzle then. It totally matter. And honestly, like if she had written out the whole story to Eric, like you know, here it is uh, yep. like how would he have taken that, you know? I I would love to have seen her write her name to him rather than Sebastian whisper to it because, you know, as I was pointing out before with her story arc, her arc kind of ends about two-thirds of the way through the movie and she doesn't get to take much more agency. Mm-hmm. Um, she, pretty much everything is happening to her. Her friends and the other characters are the one taking the action or helping her out. And just to at least see her be the one to tell Eric what her name is would have been nice. And it would have been a nice uh, callback to when she signed her name yeah. on the contract. But that's not the way they went. And it, yeah, I... To conclude an animated movie with uh, someone writing a letter to solve everything, you know, that's not, <laughs> it's not terribly not very cinematic. Eh? Not a very terribly cinematic choice. So <laughs> I can see why they didn't go there. But, you
0: know. I um, what did you guys think about uh, the music? Does anybody have a favorite song?
2: Of course, still classic. Yeah, part of your world. Part of your world. Mr. Was your favorite. Alan Menken went to town for this oh, yeah. movie. <laughs> so memorable.
1: Robert, you. Oh no, Sean, you said this blew my mind. The, the honest trailers yep. guy said that this you have to suffer through this boring villain song. I just don't even know how you get there. Because, like, to me, Poor Unfortunate Souls is the gold standard of Everybody Disney. Everybody knows that. Song. Well, that yeah. Like, when you say Disney villain song, the first thing that pops into my head is Poor Unfortunate Souls. Maybe after that, like, Be Prepared or Gaston yeah. or as Cruella de Vil. But, like, Ursula yeah, this her, yeah. singing Poor Unfortunate Souls, like, that is the Disney villain song to end all Disney villain songs. And I don't know how. Like, I'm really sorry about his life. (laughs) That he feels that way about that, and then he can't get any joy out of that song. But holy crap, like, I mean... I was, you know, wandering around the house with an Afghan draped around my waist, <laughs> singing that song <laughs> like when I was a kid. I mean, that's a fantastic song. You know? Yeah. It's funny you say that
2: because when I was young, I would just fly up out of the pool like Ariel. <laughs> and I think my parents were still like, that's our boy. He's going to fuck some pussy someday. Oh my God. <laughs> No, um poor unfortunate
0: souls is my favorite song. Um, I know that everybody loves Part of Your World and you know it got nominated. Did it win?
1: I do not know. I, I don't I, I can Kiss the it, Girl was nominated Yeah, too. Kiss
0: the Girl was nominated too. I, you know, like I get why poor unfortunate souls wouldn't fit the Oscar oh, message. Sure. But like, yeah, what song carried on? Like, poor unfortun, like you just you just can't help but think of that. And I'm really big on villain song. I don't know why. I just love hearing what the villain has to say when it comes yeah, to their singing. Sure. It's just so fun to hear their message. But a short story, I was um, celebrating a birthday with a co-worker of mine and we had just gotten to know each other at the time. So I didn't know her or her friends at all um, when I went to this party, but I decided to be social and get to know her more. And so I went... And part of the party was at this karaoke bar. And it was one of those private bars where you, like, rent a room and all this such. So she – we were at a restaurant, and we migrated up to the karaoke bar, which was, like, walking distance. She had to stay behind and handle the bill. I went up with all of her friends just so we wouldn't lose the room. And when we got to the room – nobody was stepping up to sing nobody would start us off and do anything and they all knew each other so you would think they would feel comfortable i don't know what came over me <laughs> but i grabbed the the you know the little tablet and i just started putting songs in that everybody knew just stuff you can sing together and something came over me in front of a whole bunch of strangers i decided to break the ice and go first and sing Poor Unfortunate Souls. I now, this was, this was the first time I had sing this song karaoke, but I was like, if I'm going to do it, it might as well be in front of people I don't know. <laughs> Fuck it. So, like, I sang my ass off on that, and my voice is <laughs> terrible. But let me tell you, I got applause throughout that whole room. And everyone felt comfortable to sing nice. whatever the fuck nice. they wanted after that. It was so crazy. And I think I may be saying that song like twice, like other two, you know, uh, opportunities. But like that song is so much fun to sing. Yes. I just love singing it. And I love like the rendition of the song that's being played in the movie. I think it's well done uh, very well, too.
1: So, yeah, I really like that song. Two notes, uh, since we were wondering. I just looked it up. So... Um, Little Mermaid won the Oscar for Best Original Score and it won Best Song for Under the Sea.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, Kiss the
1: Girl was also nominated. So
0: Part of Your World
1: was not nominated. Part of Your World was not
0: nominated. Um, one thing I heard was that Part of Your World actually almost didn't make it in the movie really? because of like a test or focus group said the song wasn't like not cheery enough or maybe it just wasn't catchy or something but it almost didn't even make the movie I heard and I wish I could read more about it but obviously they like fought for it to be right. in the film or whatever
2: sure. you know what's funny is somebody pointed this out to me once and David you mentioned the I Want song but mm-hmm. Alan Menken also did Little Shop of Horrors uh-huh. yes. he so did put, I, favorite musical if, Look if at you that. think of Part of Your World and Somewhere That's Green very similar Yeah, there's, song there's, there's song. always there's the I similar. Want song
1: uh, Belle has her I Want song. Uh, Aladdin has his I Want song. Like, that's a very standard di- uh, musical theater trope and that Disney adapted very well because all of their characters are, are all mm-hmm. about, you know, you have this dream. Or something. I mean, it goes all the way back to Cinderella, you know, a dream is a wish your heart makes. It's always been there.
2: No, I just thought of this. It's a little random because we're talking Uh about music, but now I'm going to go back to you being at the park this weekend. Yes,
1: I was at Disneyland this weekend for my birthday. Yeah! There
2: is a fun (laughs) little addition that not everybody knows about on the Little Mermaid ride. Oh? So I know you've been watching old Disney movies. Have you seen The Incredible Mr. Limpet? No. What is this? It's a Don Knotts movie where he turns into a cartoon fish. Yeah. (gasps) And on the ride, Don Knotts appears in the... Um, under the sea portion. Wait,
1: that sounds really familiar. Yeah. Now that the you fish is it.
2: looking out of the weeds into that scene. If you look for it on the right. In which scene? Uh, the under the sea. Okay, that's really cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is that a is great nice. I didn't even.
1: I didn't know about that.
2: I always try to point it out, and people are like. Mr. Limpwood? I, mean,
1: I wonder, mind. you know, there are some other fish characters, like uh, in Sword of the Stone, Merlin and Arthur oh, turn yes. themselves into fishes. I wonder mm-hmm. if those fishes are in there. I, I, know, I wouldn't those. be surprised. Or maybe in the Finding Nemo submarine ride. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, another. Since you were talking about Poor Unfortunate Souls, another um, note, like how I was saying, like the cast is pretty much perfect, but Pat Carroll was not the first choice to play Ursula. <gasps> oh, really? They wanted B. Arthur. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Which would obviously that's a similar, you know, kind of uh, female bass voice. Um, but I feel like they couldn't have made her as voluptuous. As, right. Because I can't, I can't hear. And then they, uh, when she turned them down, they cast a bunch of others. And then they cast Elaine Stritch, who was the runner-up for Dorothy in the Golden Girls when the producers originally thought they couldn't get B. Arthur. Oh, that's funny. But then apparently she clashed with Howard Ashman and then they went with Pat Carroll. So
0: their main goal was to have that type of voice, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that was their main goal. Yeah. That would have been interesting. I've I've heard B. Arthur sing, and she's really good.
1: Oh, she's a musical theater actress. Yeah. That's, that's what she came up as. So she could definitely have pulled it off. Yeah. But it di- just didn't work that's out. That's
0: interesting. I didn't know that. Um, Okay, so two things. One, do you feel that Ariel is a princess to look up to? Is uh, a good message for little girls as they're, you know, watching this? And if so, like, what do you think that...
1: Yeah, because I think most girls or most people, most fans who look up to Ariel look up to Act 1 Ariel. The adventurous Ariel... Yeah. The, the curious Ariel... Um... The... The boundary-breaking Ariel... They're not... Really thinking of... Act 3 Ariel... Who... Sits there... Quietly... While the climax happens around her... She does do... A few things... You know... She dives into the water... She pulls Ursula's hair... Yeah, Um, but just she's largely absent from her own storyline so I think most of the time when little girls look up to Ariel the the little girls that I knew in my life like my sister and my mm -hmm. friend who was also with me at Disneyland this weekend they're they're looking up to that act one Ariel Mm
2: -hmm. well and what's crazy about Ariel when you think about it I don't think she's that bad the fact that Triton had the power to turn her into a human this whole time and let her get a taste of what she wanted but he held back Mm-hmm. I think that kind of shows, like, she was driven to doing what she did because she wasn't getting that support from her parents. Sure, And I'm not saying, you know, your kid comes to you and says, I want vodka, and you say, okay, well, you want it. <laughs> but I think there needs to be, like, exploring with kids, and I think that's what the message should be from the Triton mm-hmm. standpoint.
1: Okay. And I think that that also... I wish this theme had been developed more like there's sort of a healing process that goes on for Triton and maybe all of his people that Ariel successfully enters the human world and creates a bridge that wasn't there before and shows that it's not something to be scared of, that these people aren't people to hate. And that would have been a very Disney Kind of message. Well, yeah, uh, I would that was. So I've seen more of that.
0: That was going to be my next so. message. What do you think the message is in this movie? I mean, from hindsight, like a lot of people, not necessarily like non-Disney fans, but what stands out the most is that you have this girl who basically gave up her family, her mm-hmm. her gift, her you know, to the world, and then you know, like kind of her heritage in a way for a man. And that apparently stands out more than just her being adventurous and like living her life. So, what would you say is the message of this movie?
1: I think there's one line of dialogue from Grimsby that kind of redeems the whole thing for me. Um, When he sees Eric, he comes up to Eric late at night after they've had their fun night out, fun day out on the town, and Eric's still staring out into the ocean, hoping for his dream girl to show up. And, you know, of course, we know that it's Ariel, but he still thinks she's out there somewhere. And Grinsby says, far better than any dream girl is one of flesh and blood, one warm and caring and right before your eyes. So we suddenly have this parallel that both Ariel and Eric are chasing this, this very youthful dream. Like they're, they're both young kids who think that they found the perfect person. And if they can just find that person, they can marry them and be happy and Grinsby comes along and says, there's this person right in front of you. She's been there the whole time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for at this point, two days, but she's, she's been there <laughs> and you've had this wonderful time with you and she's sweet and caring. And, and yes, Ariel did this crazy thing for this boy she saw once. But in that moment, I think their whole relationship is sort of redeemed. And, um, the, and it's almost a slightly anti-Disney message. Like, hey, you're chasing your dreams, but the thing you want is right here. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that was a very grown-up moment for the whole film. And also it kind of redeems Grimsby because he's been kind of a stick in the mud the whole time. But <laughs> in that moment, he really is really beautiful and fatherly to Eric. Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of see that a little bit. De- definitely be curious, be adventurous. Um but then know when you have something good right in front of you.
2: Yeah, and I would say I don't think she gave up everything for Eric because she's obsessed with the people world, the whole whole beginning of the movie. So I look at more at, I know that's going to be a little extreme, but a transgender person. Okay. You know, that's basically Mm. what she is. She's changing her body to be who she feels like she is inside. And I think that's more of she's obsessed with our tools because that's who she feels she is. She sees Eric, she falls in love, and he's just kind of the final nail that says, like, okay, I want to do this. I want to get outside my comfort. I want to be who I am. So I don't think she gives it all up for him, but that's what makes her want to change for him.
1: Yeah. Yes. I love a queer reading. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. That, <laughs> that, was, that, was,
2: that was pretty good. That was oh, pretty good. I've been practicing in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sure. so
0: um, why don't we go ahead and rate this film... Um, so, we're going to rate it Dingle Hoppers. So, Sean, how many Dingle Hoppers between one and five would you give Little Mermaid after watching it again?
2: Little Mermaid, it's still a classic. I could still watch it over and over. I still recommend it, just not to marry. And <laughs> <laughs> I just love this movie. I'd say five Dingle Hoppers. All right. All right. What about you, David?
1: Uh, I would. I would go four and a half Dinglehoppers just because of the kind of themes that we are talking about. That I would have liked to to see it like follow through on, and I would like to see Ariel take agency at the at the end of the film. Um, the Broadway musical tries to do that a little bit with her actually being the one to take action to destroy Ursula, and then King Triton literally says, "Oh, I think she has a voice. She can speak for herself, like what she wants." Um, I I don't feel it's quite enough, and I know that we're getting a live action version soon, and I I hope I hope for the like v- the legacy of Ariel as a character that they explore that a little bit and they give her back some of her choice and agency at the end of the movie for so for only that reason yeah <laughs> I take off half like just, just a couple half. of tines off that mm-hmm. Dingle Hopper and give it four and a half yeah okay. I,
0: I'm also going to give it four and a half as well. Um, this movie is just very entertaining. Uh, listening to those songs brought back a lot of memories Mm -hmm. and I think those songs are, uh, well-written. Uh, I do enjoy the characters. Uh, there was a little bit of a backstory that I wish that I had seen now. Obviously Mm -hmm. when I was younger, I don't think about that kind of stuff, but I just have so many questions after watching it again. And um, so I would say if it had like a little bit more history about their past, I would have probably given this a full uh, five dingle hoppers. But <laughs> overall, this movie is is still fun to watch. And I would still recommend this movie to um, a lot of uh, younger kids. And, and I still think yeah. that there is a huge fan base for this movie still. I don't think this is a movie that will ever be forgotten. In the hundreds of Disney movies that are out there, this one is still up there as like top five. Right. In most, in you know, if you ask, you know, most people. So yeah, I think that this movie
2: is is still good, and it'll just get better with age. Honestly. One thing that I think is funny is. Uh... A year or two ago, I went to Solvang with my family and there's the Hans Christian Andersen Museum, Ooh. which I'm doing quotes right now because oh, no. it's a small bookstore with two stories. <laughs> but it's funny because when you go up to the second level, they have like a bust of Anderson and they have some of his like original works, but they're all excited about Little Mermaid. Like mm-hmm. Hans wrote this, Hans wrote this. There's Little Mermaid posters everywhere. And then in one small corner... You learn the real Frozen story. Like They hate Frozen at the Hans Christian (laughs) Andersen Museum. I thought that was so funny. Get over it.
0: As mentioned earlier, there is a live action um, version Mm -hmm. of The Little Mermaid coming out soon. Uh, There's nothing that we can do about it. It's (laughs) happening. It's going to come out whether we like it or not. So, of course, what better way to welcome this movie than to come up with our own cast in another version of A Geek Can Dream? All right, so I'm just going to list the characters' names, and then we'll take turns uh, telling, you know, who we picked for the role. And then by the end, we'll see if we have a consensus as who has the better movie. All right, so we'll save the best for last. Let's start with some smaller characters first. What who would you cast as Chef Louis?
2: <laughs>
0: Sean, we'll start with you, Sean.
2: So, I'm borrowing a little bit from another Disney movie, but he's too perfect. I chose Josh Gad. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah.
0: All right. What about you, dude?
1: Uh, I went a little more fiery uh, because I I know that uh, despite his, the usual roles he takes, this actor can can do broad comedy and would have a lot of fun with it. Um, I chose Antonio Banderas.
0: Oh. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Was a
1: lot <laughs> of fun.
0: I've seen him do some slapstick comedy before, so yeah. I can definitely see that. Um, I actually did go a little different too. I looked up some french actors actually and i may not have found somebody to fit the look but i came across a face that i recognized and then when i looked him up i was like oh he's perfect i chose um hopefully i'm pronouncing this right jean uh dujardin so he was the guy in the artist. You know that oh, silent movie? Cute. So he okay. was the lead. I think his animation and, again, um, his you know background and just the way he presents himself on screen, I think he would kill at that part. <laughs> as small as it is, but I think yeah. he would be really good at that. Also,
1: just saying, René Auberginois is alive and well. Oh am yes. sure he <laughs> be happy to reprise the role in real life. That's, That's funny. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right,
2: so um, from Chef Louie, let's go Grimsby. Grimsby was a quick one for me, also borrowing from another Disney movie, <laughs> Sir Ian McKellen. Mm-hmm. Okay, I Ian thought, McKellen.
1: That was the first name that popped into my head, too. Okay. Um, I decided to dig around a little bit. Um, I, I felt like both Grimsby and Carlotta, you could just easily go for, you know, the Harry Potter style seasoned British character actors. Mm-hmm. Um, so for Grimsby, I chose Jim Broadbent. Who okay, okay. For a slughorn? Yeah,
0: so he, here he I'll I'll play the tiebreaker. Those were my two tops. Wow. <laughs> I picked no seriously, I picked Broadbent and I picked Ian McKellen, nice. but the winner goes to ian mckellen i Thank i just you. had to now here's the thing he was in beauty and the beast i get it and it's not a shared universe but i just see grimsby in this like because because i think ian pulls off this like grumpy but yet happy sort mm-hmm. of mentorish type of guy and so does broadband but i just see yeah. ian just and honestly it.
1: like if he hadn't already been cast as co- cogsworth i mm-hmm. would have immediately gone with that but again like cogsworth in the new movie was a voice role and david ogden Styers is still alive and well again <laughs> like he could have still done that role but, but picture enough. this
2: the movie starts off with cogsworth turning into a a live person and then getting on a ship and becoming Grimsby. It's a shared universe. It's so awesome. Anything to leave that wife of his. <laughs> right. He
1: was yeah, not that's, about that's her. That's the other thing. I, I feel like there's a, a romance hinted at between Grimsby and Carlotta. Mm-hmm. And there was just that really awkward, uncomfortable romance between Cogsworth and <laughs> the female character. And I, you know, like like Ian McKellen is one of our grand old of <laughs> of gay yeah. actors. And just to have to put him through that uncomfortable heterosexual romance again. I just didn't feel like going there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. So since we're on the subject, um, Carlotta. I would love to
2: see Megan Mullally.
0: <laughs> oh, that's a good one. A lovely choice. I like that. Well, we got really loud on that one. Okay. No, it's sorry Megan. for your ears. I know. No, that,
1: that's, that's pretty good. Um. Again, Harry Potter style, uh, British character actor. I went with Julie Walters, also known as Mrs. Weasley. Uh, oh, from Weasley! From I love. From Mia. I
0: love her. Yeah, I thought she could have a lot of fun. With She's that. really good. Okay, so your two choices are way better than mine. <laughs> I know. I just I don't know for some reason I was looking at a whole bunch of Google images of her, and for some reason, um, Edie Bryant popped in my head. Oh, from SNL. From SNL. I actually
1: thought of her too. I think I she is she a very
0: sweet, like bubbly woman that could like run a kitchen if she wanted to. I, I just like her in yeah, general. I, I so wanted she,
1: someone age. I thought about her too, but I wanted someone age appropriate And the, for yeah,
0: be. that's the thing. I didn't really picture those two in a relationship, <laughs> so I changed the age a little bit to fit eighty, sure. 80 in it. But I like my my eighty. So, all right, um, let's do um, King Triton. Who do we
2: want as, you know, our daddy? So imagine this. Ariel's cell phone rings <laughs> and daddy Liam Neeson says, oh my God. <laughs> They're oh, kind of <laughs> yeah.
0: You don't want to mess with me. Then Eric's
2: like, good luck. So that's who I chose. Liam Neeson.
1: Alright. So two things here. One, as we get into more of the main characters, I was um, kind of curious about trying out some actors of color in some of these roles i th- um, i thought about that too i think it would just for me personally it would just be more interesting <laughs> let's just get some other people out there. no i get you um and also just i i'm trying to think i was trying to think of someone who's age-appropriate but also looks really good shirtless <laughs> so, <laughs> so, i went with idris elba it no, will. he
0: no he would make a wonderful King Triton, honestly. Yeah.
1: I, I also, th- before I hit on Idris Elba, I was also thinking uh, Joe Manganiello.
0: Oh, know. okay, okay. Um, cause yeah.
1: That's all I have to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think Idris Elba has uh, more of the gravity, more of the grandness, um, and would really make a kick-ass King Triton.
0: All right, so that means you made your... Ariel, like, African-American oh, you too. Just,
1: you just wait. Oh, that is
0: awesome. Mm-hmm. I actually did think about that, and just from a singing point of view, because there are um, a couple of actors and actresses who are who can sing very well. I mean, the Broadway casted King Triton as an African-American. They did? Yeah, so I thought about that, but, I mean, for and the sake...
1: Like, that's not... It's not set in stone. Like, I, th- I think when you're doing a fantasy-based musical you can cast whoever you want in any role no you, d- you any, definitely any color yeah whatsoever. no you
0: definitely can i decided to keep things the way they are not because they have to but honestly the redhead and you know like representation isn't the, yeah. big so sure. no, i like, kind of red hair
1: is iconic yes for ariel but in my line of thinking it's, it's a fantasy character no matter what color her skin or her scales are, yeah. her hair can be whatever she wants it to no, be. No, sure. so, true.
0: No, totally. Yeah. I know. I totally get it. So mine is a, is a bit basic, but I think that he could pull it off if they wanted to. You know, Disney does some wonderful things and they're richer than God. So um, <laughs> I chose Hugh Jackman. Okay. I actually thought about him. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, okay. Let's do some voiceovers, some voice actors. Who
2: do we have for Scuttle? For Scuttle, I chose someone who's. Who does a lot of voice work. Um, John DiMaggio. Oh, I love that. John DiMaggio. He does. He does. Um,. Uh, Bender from Futurama, oh, and he does Jake okay. the Dog from Adventure Time, okay. among many others.
1: Many, 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 many others, Okay, yeah. okay. That totally needs to happen.
0: Good choice. That said... <laughs> <laughs> I know, like, I who do you prefer? Well, right? actually,
1: this guy has done voice acting as well. I cast Scuttle as pa- Patton Oswald. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah, uh, like, that's nice. Uh, you know, like, Buddy Hackett was a, a small... Rotund, full of energy, comedian, and that just seems like the natural successor to that. And he played Remy in Ratatouille, so we know he can do that sort of thing. Sonia,
2: yeah. so,
0: awesome. I yeah, I was again very basic with my choice. Um, I I just see Scuttle as just this wackadoodle, like <laughs> doesn't like he just knows not not knows what he says, but he just does it with a smile. And I chose Jack Black. Um
2: okay so what about Flounder? For Flounder I chose Jacob Tremblay who is yes. in Wonder. Okay. I think he would just and room. be s- and oh, I, That's uh, what, what he did was you just say to for. me. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is a wonderful actor. Mhm. And I could just see him pulling off that voice. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I'm glad you said that cuz that was my original choice. Was, nice. that's the first thing that popped into my head. Um but I uh, I was I didn't know like if he, does he sing? Like I don't No, know. I no, he, sure does, he doesn't sing. really
0: get a part uh, to sing, <laughs> um, but... Um,
1: so I wanted to think a little more, and also, again, looking for like non-white actors, I picked Anthony Gonzalez, who voices Miguel in Coco. I knew you were going oh, there. Right. I uh, knew you were going there. No, he honestly. Has, he, again, like, right age, right kind of personality for the voice, and obviously we know he can sing. Um... One of the few really good numbers that they added in the Broadway musical is a flounder and aerial sisters number. Okay. She's in love. Yeah. Oh, it's wonderful. It's like this 50s doo wop kind of song. It's okay. It's really fun. Uh, I think Anthony Gonzalez could have a heck he, of a lot His fun voice
0: with that. is amazing. Yeah. I, I was blown away watching that. Um, Sean, we're two for two. <laughs> I pick Jacob.
1: Yay! Yeah! Yes. Yeah. I changed it.
0: So <laughs> no I chose Jacob like I am always impressed with everything this man does All right and Sebastian Sebastian
2: I chose a singer I chose Sean Paul I knew it with a bong bong I knew <laughs> oh, okay. I knew you were gonna pick him.
1: You are hilarious. All right. This one was really hard for me. know this and was a tough like, one. If I had known more like black male performing artists in that like Andrew age range with that kind of style, mm-hmm. um, I, I might have been able to make a better choice. Um, I'm just very short in that area. <laughs> no, it's like. So, and also, Sebastian is just a tricky character because he is so obviously, you know, based in this, this certain racial type that. Like, it, it walks a line. Like, I know some people who are bothered by his character and... and Fair enough. Like, how to go there correctly, I don't know. Um, <laughs> again, I said before that my two main fandoms are Star Trek and Disney, so I went <laughs> with LeVar Burton. <laughs>
0: and Fair enough. He can sing, so... I think he can
1: sing. I have been listening to his podcast lately called LeVar Burton Reads, which is basically like a an adult off of Reading Rainbow Reading Rainbow where he reads short fiction usually genre fiction yeah he does all kinds of characters he, he has a, such a range of emotion as he reads these stories and he's also in his older age developed this sort of avuncularness that like I think Sebastian beneath the grumpiness has like mm-hmm. he really does care for Ariel yeah um and I think he could just have a blast with that role so I actually
0: chose Ben Vereen.
1: Oh, of course.
0: Yeah. Oh. I recently just saw him in the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Who,
1: and he played LeVar Burton's dad on an yeah. episode of Star
0: Trek. Yes. And, <laughs> wow. I but, can always bring it around. I can always bring it back around. All right. So, um, Eric, our Prince wait, Eric.
1: Wait, are, are we not going to hit on uh, Flotsam and Jetsam? I didn't pick Flotsam. <laughs> if you got somebody, let's hear it. I, it may be a little on the nose. No, go ahead. Andy Serkis. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, of course. Them.
0: Oh, okay. And I will just add this real quick. Vanessa, the beautiful Ursula, I chose
2: Mariah Carey.
1: <laughs> um, I, I have a Vanessa, but I want to get to her later.
2: Okay, okay, okay. So who do we pick for Eric? So Eric, I chose someone who we've seen swim well in water. Uh-oh. I chose um, Sam Claflin, who played Finnick Odair. Oh,
0: that fine fucker! Right? Oh God, I'm mm. familiar with this one. Is From, he uh, okay? He's, games. So he's oh, in Finnick? Hunger Games. Yeah. He was um, Finnick, the one who had the Ooh. older veteran. You know what I'm talking about. Ooh. Yeah, he's nice. Put your shirt back on. <laughs>
2: No, he's super nice. Um, yeah, okay. And All he's right. actually about the same age as my Ariel, but we'll get there. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, my Eric, I went with Josh Chan, the male lead of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Mm. Um, oh, okay, okay. Very cute. Uh, I don't Fili- think so. Filipino actor. <laughs> okay.
0: okay. So I had two guys. One just because he visually is just so stunning. Um, He's on the show Shadow Hunters. Um, His name is Matthew um, Daddario. He's actually the gay character Alec, I think his name is. Um, And he, um, yeah, and he has like a relationship on there. I chose him for his looks. I don't know if he can sing, (laughs) but he's just a gorgeous Prince Eric lookalike. But. My final choice actually came from Rocky Horror Picture Show. It was the guy who played Brad, Ryan McCartan. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him.
1: Are you talking original or the no, Fox no, remake? the the Fox remake? I, I never saw the Fox remake. Okay,
0: so I'm just gonna show you guys a picture of him. I think he is gorgeous. He's six foot one. He's age appropriate. I freaking <laughs> love him. I love him. Yeah. He... See.
2: Oh. Okay. Hi Eric. Oh yeah yeah. Yeah. There... All right, and who did we pick for Ursula the Sea Witch? So, I chose someone who's already played the role in another movie as Big Mama Morton, Queen Latifah, baby. Thank you! (laughs) (laughs) Ah,
1: Queen, Queen! Titus Burgess. (laughs) Should be Ursula. I think we should give him a shot now.
0: I did choose Queen so that's three for three but for the sake of you know not repeating myself my second choice was audra uh, mcdonald so she's a famous broadway singer and her her voice is very operatic i think she could definitely handle this role she could
1: hold a tony in each tentacle exactly right
0: right? so you guys know who she is then okay um and then if they couldn't get her because she's just too busy just just too busy um jill scott okay I, would have, I wouldn't mind seeing Jill Scott play that role as well. Um, Alright, um, last but not least,
2: our Ariel. So this one was hard for me because of the age. It has to be someone who can sing. has to be someone very pretty. I decided to make my Ariel just a little bit older, like maybe late teens, early 20s. The first person I thought has the look and I would love to see her as it, is Emma Roberts from Scream Queens. Ooh. Okay. But then I heard her sing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so the the one that came to mind too, I was thinking about a black character, was Zendaya with The Rock as Triton. Oh, But Ooh. I finally... Oh, The Rock
0: is Triton, okay. okay. Yeah, but I
2: finally that. decided on Anna Kendrick. Ah. Aww. Yeah, Anna Kendrick would be really cute.
1: I'm kind of into her right now because I've uh, just been diving into her um, sort of sci fi creation that she worked through several albums, and that's Janelle Monet. Oh, and okay, yes, yes, yes. We know she can act, she can sing, she can dance, uh, and even with a lot of the stuff that she does in her music videos for the Metropolis saga. Uh, there, you know, there's a lot of like body language and pantomiming, so she could do like the voiceless kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it also just might be kind of thought provoking to see this character as a dark skinned woman who's given up her voice, and like, what kind of thoughts and ideas does that bring yeah. up in us? How do we feel about that? Yeah, yeah. And like, what kind of fight does she have to go through to get that voice back and you know, mm-hmm. reclaim herself?
0: And then again, from Shadowhunters, the lead actress in the in the show, uh, Catherine Mc, 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 Oh God, why can I pronounce her name? McNamara, excuse McNamara, okay. me. If you guys were to look her up, she I just think she would make a beautiful Ariel. Um, I'll show you guys her picture here in a second. Yeah, she yeah. got the look. Yeah, she definitely has the look. But
1: and then Vanessa, because it needs to be someone who could be physically mistaken for Ariel but it's basically the evil version of her, Stacy Dash. Oh, God. <laughs> if you can get her. Right. <laughs> kind of Stacy Dash. That's kind of a joke.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, um, I want to thank you both for helping me out reviewing The Little Mermaid. I hope you guys had fun. I had a blast. And, um, yeah, like I said, anytime you guys want to come back, review another movie, feel free. And um, I'm sure this won't be the last time the three of us get together. So Mm -hmm. thank you guys again. Before we um, bow out, David, where can people find you? Uh,
1: You can find me on Twitter or WordPress as Problems of a Jesus Gay. And if you want to see pictures of my recent Disneyland trip, you can find me on Instagram at David Strugi. That's S-T-R-O-O-G-I-E.
0: Very good, very good. And guys, uh, thank you for listening. Make sure to go to iTunes. Give us that five-star rating. Comment on the episode on what you thought. Did you guys have um, any different casting for Ariel or any of the other characters? We'd love to hear from you. And again, thank you for listening and tune in next week for another movie. This is uh, Movie Geek and Proud. Bye.